to the Boxing Rant Podcast. Leave your kid gloves at home. But I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. My defense is impregnable. Anybody can get What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 322 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined as always by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? You know, the boxing gods are a fickle bunch. They they giveth and they taketh away. As uh, we thought the schedule is about to look uh, pretty pretty stacked here. And fucking Tyson Fury just has to Tyson Fury it up now, doesn't he? Yeah, when this circus came to town, Tyson Fury left his fucking elephant dung laying around. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they didn't fucking clean up after themselves, man. Him and fucking Joe Parker and... You know, the finest cocaine in the world and some whimsical fucking dust filled cloud, you know, <laughs> they, they, we'll they, just they, call it COVID, though. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. That'll work. We'll go with that. <laughs> oh, man. Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder part three to be continued um, at the very least. Look, we got some post fight then Gilberto Ramirez, Sullivan Barrera, Jojo Diaz versus Javier Fortuna. Dude, the last thing I'm going to do is let fucking Tyson Fury take a take a dump on uh, on this weekend's main event because after watching the Showtime All Access last night and going back and watching some footage on past fights between these two combatants, dude, I'm super pumped for the full unification at 154 pounds as we'll be previewing Jermel Charlo versus Brian Castano. Going to be a good one for sure. Tiafimo Lopez back in the news again. Uh, but this time it's because it looks like the script has been flipped right back in him and daddy's lap. <laughs> oh, they run it. They run him back to top rank now, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, man. Just fucking it's amateur hour. It's, it's public relations, amateur hour. Um, in this fucking just menagerie that we call boxing, dude, you know, <laughs> they, put the, it, they put the cart, they put the cart miles ahead of the horse in this situation. This whole new generation has. We'll get to it. We'll get yep. to it because I, <laughs> I'm gonna love every second of it. <laughs> um, yeah. So Tiafimo Lopez, George Cambosis, uh, you know the latest on that entire situation, and Manny Pacquiao is going to enter Pacquiao versus Spence pay per view as the A side without a belt because your Dennis Ugas, um, he fucking earned that belt while Pacquiao was semi retired. So. Yeah. WBA serving up justice for, for all of the boxing world, Ken. <laughs> Fuck the WBA. Seriously, dude. Seriously. <laughs> um, okay. So we got a pretty packed show, um, and we'll kick things off with the post fight in just a second. But we just wanted to say thanks to all of you that have subscribed to the show. Uh, spread the word. Patreon.com backslash boxing rant. Follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings 81 and at the boxing rant. All right, then let's get down to it. It was Gilberto Ramirez versus Sullivan Barrera um, from Los Angeles, California. Look, man, I was kind of shocked. Like when I I turned on uh, DAZN for the first time, I was like, hold on. I thought this fight was at the StubHub Center, you know, and it's but it's at the soccer stadium that I guess is part of that facility. Mm, yep. Did they do that because California still has laws on how many people they're allowed to have in an arena. Like it didn't look like there was enough people to even fill up the tennis bowl. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't know if they. I mean, it's California. I'm sure they're still doing some wacky shit out there. Who fucking knows? I mean, I love that venue for a fucking fight, but not that fight. Give me like, you know, Gilberto Ramirez versus Canelo in that stadium. You know, right. or yeah. You know, but even that's too small for Canelo. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of odd. Um, but I, you know, it was nice to see a different, I guess, setting. Um, Miguel Cotto was in the crowd. Did you see Cotto? I saw that sack hanging out, son. Them nuts is yeah. hanging. <laughs> fucking playing on his neon orange iPhone. <laughs> what is fuck? What is fucking? Uh, pink sheened aviators. <laughs> he's such a fruit bat, man. <laughs> yeah, but he's fuck. He, he's fucking awesome, man. He is. Um, he's awesome. All right, uh, let's get to the main event: Gilberto Ramirez versus Sullivan Barrera, a light heavyweight contest. This is Gilberto's uh, humble pie, <laughs> is what this is. Uh, a four hundred thousand dollar payday from a camp being led uh, by his better half saying that they won't fight for anything less than $2 million. Talk about out-kicking your coverage. But Gilberto Ramirez does get a soft landing with Golden Boy and DeZone. Um, again, this guy is still super marketable. He just has not been marketed correctly yet. And that has been to his own personal detriment, okay? Yep. Regardless of who it is, his wife, his team, whoever, whoever's influencing this guy, he's the one that's allowing himself to be influenced. But he gets a soft landing, uh, like I said, with Golden Boy and DAZN, and, um, you know, to include it in that, in that plush pillow, uh, down, feathery soft landing was a 40-year-old named Sullivan Barrera whose body was there, for Gilberto Ramirez's target practice. What I love the most about Ramirez's performance against a clearly compromised fighter um, was just his dedication to the body and how much finally his squatty fucking low profile fighting stance came into handy because he was sitting down as he was digging those shots to the body. I loved it. Yeah, that was the the most important thing and the best thing that come out to come out of that fight was it appeared like Zerto was actually putting some fucking mustard on them punches. Mm -hmm. it, it it looked like it. I mean, I, I was kind of shocked to see it, but look, man, it, I, I think at 175, he, he looks great. I think that's where he belongs. 168. I have no fucking idea how that guy ever made that fucking weight. I, I just, I don't, I, I physically just can't understand how that's even possible, but he looks strong. He looks sturdy. I, you know, there was there wasn't much to hate about what you saw from Gilberto Ramirez. I, he's a major, major problem. But like you said, he's got to get he's got to fall in line here with Golden Boy. Kind of let them take the reins here and just do what they say. They know how to build Mexican fighters. They've done it before. You know, you could say what you want about Golden Boy promotions and how they kind of seem to go flying off the rails every once in a while like their you know their fearless leader does but they can promote and and they certainly know how to build up a Mexican American fighter in this country so mm -hmm. let them take the reins buddy just do what they tell you get in the ring you're gonna, he's going to have to get in the ring a couple more times to get his name back out there i think i know they want to go for bball and all there's no I, I don't see that happening next but i'll tell you what he is an intriguing, very intriguing matchup for anybody at 175. And 175 needs an injection of fucking life right now. I don't I'm not, Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying Zerto is an injection of anything because that was just one performance 
against an old guy who, let's be honest, Sullivan Barrera, uh, clearly, clearly, clearly passed it. And you could see it in that fight. You know, once great, you know, not great, but really good boxer who could, uh, who could share the ring with the best. He just doesn't have it in him anymore at the age of 40, which is, which is understandable. So you got to kind of keep that in perspective when we're talking about Zerto this week. But he looked good, man. He looked good. I'll give it to him. Yeah, you're right about Sully B. I mean, I remember seeing him on the undercard of uh, of Alien Crusher back in 2014. You know what I mean? Yep. And dude, he was he was he was old then. Like he was one of these he was one of these fighters that like you know he just fucking had a long amateur career and came over later and was an older pro and everything you said about him. And during his prime, let's be honest, he wasn't ducked, but he wasn't an opponent that somebody wanted for like, you know, a fucking, a tune-up fight, you know? And he, he, and he was one of these guys that a lot of the top guys, you know, wouldn't give a shot to. You remember uh, by the time he got a big fight, I think it was the Andre Ward fight, wasn't it? And he was 36, 37 years old. It's a typical, uh, that's the typical Cuban boxing uh, lifespan there. They, they, get, they break in too late. And once they break in, everybody sees that they're really good boxers and they can, they can box with anybody. They're like, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not, I don't want to fight that. There's no value in that guy. Well, so- and, 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 and he was more of a Louis Ortiz type, you know, he had, he had some pop to his punches. So, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't, you don't mess with that either. But yeah, either way, um, he was the perfect opponent for what they needed to do. And it, 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 it was, it was, look, Golden Boy put this together and, and they made you look really fucking good. It's been a long time since I've been excited about Gilberto Ramirez. He was one of my favorite prospects, you know, seven, eight years ago. I love the guy. And, He's, you know, he's got a, a bit of a padded record, but he's still an undefeated fighter. He's still a unicorn for a Mexican, you know, and he's a handsome devil to boot. Um, yeah, let the golden boy take you to the top. Cause like you said, 175 is stale as fuck. Dimitri Bivol, I, I don't know why people continue to think Dimitri Bivol is, you know, to is is Kovalev in his prime or Artur Baturbiev. Bivol is is fucking Alexander Vozdik. That's it, man. He's just a good boxer, you know? He's largely like, unproven. <laughs> yes, and largely inactive, and largely, I have no interest in Bivol's career, you yep. know? Like, get in there with the skull crushers, right? Let Golden Boy drive you towards a Baturbiev fight when Baturbiev is clearly compromised. You have an advantage. It's called father time, yep. right? If he, if he can fight strong like this at 175, because don't get it wrong, I just listed flaws of his possible high-end opponents at that weight class, but it's going to take, you know, like, you know, it's going to take Gilberto Ramirez to bring a physicality and a nastiness in with those kind of opponents. Because even though a guy like Bivol, he's going to want to box you, he's still a big guy, you know? Yep. So, um, I, look, I'm optimistic but I'm going to equate Gilberto Ramirez's career to my Washington football team. You know, I, I ain't going to get too fucking excited about it because I know, <laughs> I know Dan Snyder still owns the team, right? <laughs> exactly. Everybody look, the Redskins are the sexy pick this year. Everybody wants to like pick that one team, right? That's on the cusp. And they're that team that like the, the wild card, everybody's saying that they could go far talented roster, young roster, 
Dan Snyder still owns a fucking team, son. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, you're gonna wife, have to. You're gonna have to show me. His wife does now, Ken. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's another conversation. We'll talk about that some other time. Um, but uh, yeah, just call me um, uh, carefully optimistic. Yeah, that, that's what I'd say. Yeah, moving forward, let's just see how it plays out. But it was, yeah, at least Saturday night gave you some hope. Yeah, anytime you get a good uh, body work display, man, I, you know, I get a little blood flow. There's no doubt. It was a perfect fucking liver shot. Perfect. All right, boxing's resident chameleon um, headlining the co-feature. You don't know what character he's going to come in the ring as. Um, this time, he went with the uh, Mayan motorcycle club look from the FX TV show. Joseph Diaz with his fucking shoe polish black hair and his cholo goatee. I mean, <laughs> he looked like a badass, dude. I'm gonna be honest. I thought he looked like a badass. I thought he looks good at 135. I, I, you know, he looked thick and strong, and he didn't seem to lose any of his quickness and his combination punching. I, dude, I know it was a little bit closer of a fight than the scorecards may have uh, may have had it. But I thought he looked outstanding. It was, you know, he gave Fortuna opportunities at times in the fight, and, and Fortuna had his moments. But in the middle of the fight, Jojo Diaz, and towards the end of the fight, showed his class and kind of took over. And you saw who clearly was the better fighter in the ring. You know, and we talked about Diaz before in in the preview. It's it's just a he just lacks just a little bit of pop. It's the same way at 135. He looked like he had him hurt a couple times, maybe ready if he could have landed some big shots to to drop him or get him out of there. But, you know, we've known this about JoJo, so I don't expect him to do that. He he tries. He just can't fucking do it. And I'm more concerned about how he looked at the weight, how he took punches from a a true 135-pounder in Fortuna who's not not a light puncher himself. I thought he wore the shots well. He looked sturdy at the weight. The skills are all still there. Fucking guy's only 28 years old. I forgot. I forgot. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's like in his fucking, the thick of his prime right now. And, and and like we also discussed in the preview, he's lining himself up for a couple big fights against some of these young guys. And I think, you know, we've heard he's, he's now Devin Haney's mandatory. They got Ryan Garcia in Golden Boy. I think that that fight would be the fight you'd see first only because financially for golden boy as a company it makes more sense that's a huge la fight they could probably put it in the fucking staples center they could oh, absolutely pro- they could they could sell fifteen thousand tickets to that fight that's a big that's a big west coast fight and i think it's a really fucking good fight i'd love to fucking see it i think you know obviously ryan garcia needs to get a tune-up on his way back from uh mental distress but they golden boy should be able to deliver that fight pretty quickly i would think yeah, well, I'll fucking meet you in L.A. That, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, <Do> sir. <laughs> yeah, that's a really intriguing in-house fight. And I, you know what? I, I, I wasn't even thinking about that at all because I really want to see the Diaz versus Haney fight. But, hey, look, man, Haney's a promotional free agent, right? If he wants to stay on the zone, it makes sense. Let Golden Boy, you know, because I'm telling you right now, let's not pretend. I know we were all fucking, it was all in good fun last week. About, you know, Haney Promotions buying fucking Boxing After Dark's trailer. And, you know, they've got like at least two to three different ring configurations that they use at Haney Promotions. And this, that, and the other. 
No, but let Golden Boy be your infrastructure, right? I did think it's funny that uh, after the fight, Jojo Diaz calls out Haney and Ryan Garcia. And for some reason, Devin Haney takes some some bit of offense. Like, well, I'm his, or he's my mandatory. I don't know why he's calling out Ryan Garcia. I can tell you why he's calling Ryan Garcia out, Devin. Because he can make a shit ton more money fighting Ryan Garcia, bud. And he knows that. And you should know <laughs> yeah. that also. Yeah. And those paydays that you were getting when Eddie was signing up American fighters for his his zone, his matchroom USA, you know, all that money, that money gone now. You yeah. know? Like so you you can't do your little like mini poor man's Floyd and act like you're flossing and act like like man, it's just so funny to me. These guys that that put the carts before the horses, you know, they think that like, Oh yeah, but Hey, before we build a business, we need a logo. <laughs> it's like, you don't even have a fucking business. What's, What's the, the model? Logo? What's, What's the, the model? logo for Yeah. <laughs> like that's how all these guys act, you know, it is funny. And fucking, you know, Devin Haney, he's just going to be standing there holding his, his bag, but Hey, his fans will be like, at least he got that bag. <laughs> <laughs> but he could. I, I think I think the smart thing in the interim, you know, all the uh, you know, all the brothers out there would 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 probably want to disown him though if he signed with Golden Boy because they'd be doing black fighters wrong and shit. That's why they had to go with Uncle Al, right? <laughs> um, so that wouldn't be a good thing. Like black guys can't sign with Golden Boy because that'll just ruin that'll put the brother down and he won't be able to advance. Guys. It'll be fine if Devin Haney does that. You guys want to, like, just because Devin Haney wants to act all hood sometimes, <laughs> the truth of the matter is he was fucking raised more privileged than me and Vince combined. <laughs> <All right>? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about somebody that was raised with a silver spoon in his mouth, okay? <laughs> Let's not feel bad for fucking Devin Haney. No. You know, the guy put the cart before the horse. Um, sign with Golden Boy. Get both those fights. Get that. Hey, if you're the best. Get that JoJo fight and that Ryan Garcia fight. You're going to make more money doing that for sure. Because I don't think Tank's going to fight you. And what are your other options? No, Lomachenko and Tiafimo. Well, we'll get to why Tiafimo has to fight Lomachenko. (laughs) 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 You know, uh, a little bit later. But um, yeah, man, I I just think that's the avenue to go. I think that that's two fights that they can make. and you got to be confident that you can win both of those. Look, I was back to Jojo Diaz. I'm with you. I like. I think he looked really good at the weight. I think he looked strong. Um, I liked his physicality. Here's my problem: Javier Fortuna, like back at the launch of the PBC, was a far more athletic fighter. Okay, he was. I mean, this was a stationary Javier Fortuna, and Jojo Diaz got hit a lot on his way in. Javier Fortuna is long and he is strong and even a stationary version of it. You know, going back, we'll get to the preview, but going back and watching uh, the Brian Castano, Erzlani, Laura fight again, just seeing what a guy who used to be able to move now stationary, but still very powerful with uh, with long, um, you know, foundationally rooted punches and Javier Fortuna hit him a lot, dude. That's that's a concern for me, not in a fight against Devin Haney for Jojo Diaz. I don't think that that will phase his game plan at all. But in a Ryan Garcia fight, I would be really concerned because Ryan Garcia likes to come right down the middle, just like Javier Fortuna was liking to do. And Ryan Garcia is going to put uh, have something coming down the middle at him that's going to ha- be able to devastate far more. 
Yeah, that, that the quickness of Ryan Garcia will definitely be a major, major difference uh, or major, major problem for Jojo Diaz. I, dude, both of those fights are uh, they're really good fights. I, and like you said, if you're Devin Haney, what else do you got? Like, don't don't go chasing fucking rainbows and shit and thinking you're going to get a Tiafimo fight and uh, or, or whoever else tank, whatever. Go with something that, you know, can be delivered. You can, if you can get those two fights, you have now silenced and beat both of them. You have silenced every critic. You have solidified your the the beginnings of your legacy. That that's where it starts, right there. Go get it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because that'd be three really big notches on his belt in Jorge Linares, Ryan Garcia, um, and JoJo Diaz. Yes, um, it would. But I'm not convinced he gets past. Um, uh, Garcia or Diaz, though, to be completely honest with you, I you think I, I think Garcia would be tougher. I think he could outbox JoJo. That that's a problem for JoJo when he comes into a fight and he's not the better boxer. He runs into problems. So I, I think I think Devin could handle him pretty easily. Um. All right. Well, JoJo Diaz uh, gets the nod against Javier Fortuna um, in an action-packed fight. Let's get to the fight preview, Vin. Let's go to San Antonio, Texas. For the undisputed junior middleweight championship of the world as Jermel Charlo takes on Brian Castano. Um, as we've approached this fight, I have become really, really excited about this. And I don't think that I gave it its full its full due when it was announced because I think when that Showtime boxing schedule, the PBC boxing schedule was announced, there was enough you know, trash on there that I was like more focused on that than, than propping up what, um, is a really, really good fight. And Jermel Charlo is in for it in this fight, man. Oh yeah. You're talking about it. Castano throws a lot of punches and he applies a lot of pressure and he hits hard. This is for me, the toughest fight that Jermel Charlo has been in to date. And that's speaking more from a, the style of fighter that he's going to be in the ring with. I think this is a type of fighter that can cause Jermel Charlo a lot of problems. What I worry about with Castano is he does get hit. He gets hit a lot. Um, and Jermel Charlo is not a light punching 154 pounder anymore. He he found his big boy strength somewhere in the last three or four years. And he's dropping, you know, top notch fighters all, uh, you know, very consistently on his rise here as the, as the king of the 154 pound division. So I worry, how long can Castano eat right hands? Ah, it's just going to be tough for him, but I'll, I'll tell you what, dude, the pressure that he applies, the amount of punches he throws, Charlo's going to have to work harder than he normally works. How's his gas tank going to hold up in this fight if it gets late and he's taking a bunch of punches, he's taking some body shots, is he going to have the power to keep Castano off him or hold him off at least enough? It's a, it, there's, there's a lot of angles here is, is going to be a very, very intriguing match, man. I, it's, a, I have a hard time making a pick in this fight because of the way these guys styles match up together. I think it's a great style matchup. I honestly think that this could be a historically great fight in the 154 pound division. When it's all said and done, we'll be walking away from that fight going, God damn, that was, that was a fucking war. Yeah, I think that um it's going to be it's going to be nonstop action. Um 
because Castano wants it to be. Um, one thing that was said at the end of the uh, Showtime All Access um, uh, preview for the for the fight was Jermel Charlo said he was going to do something unexpected. And to me, that says that he is going to try to come forward on Castano and stop him in his tracks. Um, to me, that makes sense. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I I don't know if he'd if he'd be able to pull it off for the entire fight because fighters tend when they do something so drastically different than what they normally do, um, they tend to revert back to what they instinctually do at some at some point in the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing that Castano he he doesn't possess in this fight is the one thing that he needs. Castano doesn't have a jab, and he never jabs like literally never there i think in the in the laura fight two years ago i mean he had Erzlandi laura literally laura moved for two rounds the first two rounds of the fight and then he was like okay my fucking legs don't work anymore i'm gonna have to dig in and fucking fight with this guy castano didn't throw a single fucking jab and dude he wore so many punches and fucking laura can punch dude right um you know, but the thing is, Jermel Charlo's legs are much, much fresher than Arizlandi Lara's legs were against Brian Castano, which is why I think that 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 Jermel um, and 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 the constant just he's gonna jab fucking Castano's head off of his shoulders. If Castano can't get to Charlo's body and he can't make an impact on Charlo's body, because don't get it wrong, Brian Castano has a quick, short left he throws it about three quarters right mm-hmm. not todd not todd froworth okay <laughs> todd it's, froworth. It's, nope not todd froworth right um you know more jesse orosco think not, think jesse orosco not arthur rhodes jesse orosco not okay? br- not brett saberhagen nope no 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 the slot is jesse orosco but it's really <laughs> fucking short and it's really really powerful i love castano's both hands to the body, but the left seems to have like some some quick twitch to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if he can get the if he can get the Charlo's body uh, early and often, uh, that will serve him well down the stretch. He's gonna, you know, he's going to need to apply the James Kirkland strategy, but better than James Kirkland, he's gonna have to make Jermel Charlo smell his bo, right? He's gonna have to he's gonna have to be on him up in his grill but not if Jermel Charlo tries to take that same strategy and use it on him first. I think it's really intriguing, man. But I think at the end of the day, Brian Castano's lack of a jab is what costs him this fight. Yeah, that's a very good call. And I wasn't really thinking about that at all, but you're, you're hundred percent correct. Castano, while he does have a jab, it's not much of a jab and he rarely ever uses it because he likes to get inside so much, you know, and, and, I think we saw in the Lara fight, Lara ran for the first two rounds and then he realized even maybe even more than his legs not working. I think he just realized I can't, I can't beat this guy backing up. And Jermel Charlo, I think is a smart enough fighter to know he can't beat this guy backing up. He's going to have to stand his ground, keep it in the middle of the ring as much as possible. And I think Charlo's strong enough to do that. And I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. I think the difference in this fight is Jermel Charlo's jab. And when you get to fights of this magnitude, that's usually what's what's the deciding factor. Whose jab worked the best that night? And I think Jermel Charlo will use his jab. He'll have his moments. Castaño will probably have some moments early in the fight, 
But I think as the fight wears on, you'll see the physicality and the strength of Charlo kind of take over in this fight. I don't think he can stop Castaño because I think Castaño's tough as fucking nails. And oh, I think, he's thick, dude. Yeah, he'll he'll be there. Uh, and I don't think he's going anywhere, but I think Jermel Charlo wins seven, eight rounds pretty clearly. You know, it'll be a, a, a tough, close fight, but he'll clearly win. At the end of the day, we'll walk away knowing there's no argument as to who's the best 154-pounder in the world. Yeah, because for all the you know, the, you know, the positive things about Brian Castano, um, that we've said, right. Uh, one thing we have not said about him is that he is a, you know, a pound for pound level fighter. Jamel Charlo's on our pound for pound list and he's been on it for, for over a year now. And I know he got a little heated that, you know, that others that are more prominent than, than us, um, don't have him regarded high enough. Well, we have him we view Jermel Charlo as one of the pound for pound 10 best fighters in the world. And so because of that, um, he's going to, you know, he, to be on that list, you have to show levels. It's not just about, you know, having a long track record. No, then Danny Garcia would be on the fucking list. Right. <laughs> right. Like it's, that's not <laughs> like, you have to like demonstrate some sort of like, okay, when I get in fights, that I'm favored to win, but are viewed in the public as being close. I have to show these levels. That's how you achieve pound for pound status. It's not just about trinkets and accolades. This is an opportunity for Jermel Charlo to send a message to everybody in boxing. This could be his opportunity to really to to plant the seed in his in 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 boxing people's minds that he cannot and will not be denied it. No, I, I, this you could stamp some Hall of Fame credentials on that motherfucker if he wins this fight. That that's that's where he's at in his career. He is reaching those levels now. No, he is. And look, people are going to be like, "Oh, you guys are like blowing smoke up an American fighter's ass." No, if they look, if there's any American boxing podcast out there that doesn't blow smoke up 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 American fighters' asses, it's me. I mean, Vin has been known to scuff up his knees every once in a while <laughs> while talking about certain American boxers. I'll, uh, I'll slurp know. I'll slurp every now and again. <laughs> every now and again. Hey, that's how we find out where Gurry is. We see <laughs> take that black light and scan it over Vince's face. <laughs> oh, there's a trace. <laughs> he's he's seen Gurry. <laughs> Vin. Tell us where Gurry at. <laughs> <laughs> we know you know. <laughs> oh man. Damn. Um no, that has nothing to do with it because you know, I, I definitely do not slurp American fighters. I mean, that's I look, I whoever is the most if you can entertain and be skillful simultaneously, um, that's all you gotta be to to win over the fans. And um, you know. Jermel Charlo is an interesting cat, though, personality-wise. I do agree that he is misunderstood. You know, I he's got an I edge. That. He's got an edge to him, man. He's a he's a fucking he's got a chip on his shoulder, a big time chip on his shoulder, and he has just a frenetic energy to him. Like even when he's calm, like even when he's like talking, completely collected. His, even the tone of his voice is 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 pretty soft, right? The look in his face in like his neck, you know, just says like inside 
the monster wants to fucking come out. You know, <laughs> us, dude, watching yeah, that he's showtime, intense, dude. Watching that showtime show. There's a couple of those those interviews that you're talking about where you're watching them and you're just like. I don't know if I want to get too close to this motherfucker if I saw him in person, dude. I will keep a safe uh, distance. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I look, it, it it may come off in the past sometimes as being, you know, critical of of the Charlos or you know needing to see them like step up in their careers or whatever. But you know, more than anything, it's just it's been so frustrating to see the way that you know, how slowly developed their careers have been. Things have started to speed up a little bit for them now because you could hear it in both of their recent uh, all accesses and, and finally getting to, you know, hear, um, you know, the, you know, most recent sentiments of these guys. And the moral of the story is from what I can gather is that they're both clearly aware of, of aging and, and, and they're both clearly aware of that they can't do this forever. And, they both are of the mind like legacy now, which I can appreciate. Um, but we got to see it, you know, mm -hmm. activity, um, you know, force the fights, use your leverage. I mean, you know, it's, it's, they're doing what they should be doing now. And clearly, you know, you and I were talking about this before the show, clearly um, the thank you, uncle Al's and that, uh, you know, that relationship with Al Heyman has done really well for both of these guys. Cause they're both clearly, living large and they're both clearly well invested and uh you know smart guys and they got a, a you know a good advisor so for all the for all the fucking hate on al Heyman, man it looks like he's got his guys living right dude i, I know if i'm a young fighter and i'm seeing some of the stuff that you see from a lot of these pbc guys that seem to be invested in stuff outside of the ring they own properties their their money is making money for them i'm going well, who's doing that for him? I, I want to go there. Yeah, I, I think that's a like, like that's a service that Al Heyman is providing these guys clearly. And uh, I, dude, if you're a young guy, I don't know why you wouldn't go with him. I, these guys are very, very well off. And you look at their, you know, some of the purses. And I know what's reported is not actual, but they're not. I, you know, they're making money, but they're not making like out of this world you know, $5 million plus a fight. They're making a few million, 2 million, whatever it is for a fight. But after taxes and paying everybody and all that shit and training expenses, you're not making a, a, a shit ton of money. These guys are investing properly, got their own businesses. Uh, they're, they're, they're smart. They're being, they're, their careers are being handled very smart financially. Uh, dude, you, if you're a young guy, I'm, I'm a, I can't wait to say thank you, Al Heyman. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, look, you got, uh, you know, the Charlo brothers and, you know, DSG and you know, all these guys living in estates and, you know, just having, having a really, really good life, you know, and, uh, you know, living in mansions and you got fucking, you got Bud Crawford, <laughs> you know, top, top ranks, top guy over here, fucking living in my neighborhood, you know? <laughs> Like seriously, it's like, what are you doing living here, man? Aren't you rich? <laughs> Dance dancing with the dancing with the nanny from the daycare across the street. <laughs> yeah, just I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, man. Top rank just strokes that check and it's like, like I'll see you in six months, I guess, right? 
Because <laughs> uh, I can guarantee you, I ain't getting my financial advice from fucking Carl Moretti and Evan Corn. That's for, <laughs> for damn sure. Hell no. <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah. I'll take I'll take Jermel Charlo. Um. By way of uh, unanimous decision, it'll be it'll be a fun action packed fight. But yeah, I think it'll be clear. Yep. I'm with you. All right, let's get the news and notes, and let's get out of here. Then Tiafima Lopez versus George Cambosis. Um, the undisputed lightweight championship was won in a purse bid by Triller, six million. Um, Tiafima Lopez riding that gravy train that Triller's on, right? Going to be thrown right into that mix. You know, he's going to be Snoop's going to be there. Fucking Ice Cube. You know, too short. Everybody, right? And uh, no, turns out that that was never the case. That apparently it was almost like it was used to like test an audience to see <laughs> to see if they should have standalone boxing events, right? Yep. Because you don't have to have the money up front. You just have to have proof of funds for the purse bid. It's not like you're sitting there going, "Nope, this purse bid doesn't count unless you Venmo me." <laughs> Venmo me <laughs> immediately. <laughs> You know, I mean, how many times have we seen like obnoxiously, you know, bitted purses fall apart? Yeah. Um, I mean, it happens all the time. And this one fell apart for I just I find it really ironic coming from such a boisterous fellow like Tiafimo and his father. Well, um, it, it, it looks awful funny now how Tiafimo Sr. was acting on the ESPN broadcast of the Lomachenko fight a couple weeks ago, doesn't it? He was a little yeah, because I I was like, why doesn't he like have a problem with this rematch happening? Yeah. <laughs> now we know why he doesn't have a problem because you know, look, they thought the grass was going to be greener, and and top rank let him go. Go ahead, make your money. Go show us how much you're worth. You know, and, and lo and behold, guess what? They they're not going to make a six million dollar investment just for the hell of it. And be like, yeah, we'll throw this $6 million down the fucking drain. We just want to get boxing on. We just want real boxing. And no, they're not going to do that. And, you know, the whole COVID thing, I I was very skeptical of it. I know people have said he had it, that he really has it. It seems awful convenient is all I'm saying. It's, and now it seems even more convenient because they want to move the fight all the way back to October. They want to fucking move it to Australia. And, and, and the Lopez camp is going... Why the hell are we going to Australia? Why is George Cambosis getting all these favors? Well, guess what, dickheads? You can't sell fucking tickets. You can't sell tickets. Once again, you and your management group, whoever that McWater guy is, who comes off like a jackass in, the, in, in, in his responses to this, it's like, dude, you guys put the fucking cart way before the horse like we just talked about earlier in the show. Now you're fucking paying the price. Suck it up and deal with it. You got the you got the bag. That's what it was about, right? You wanted the fucking bag, so you got the bag. But you're going to do it on their terms, not on your yeah. terms. So, yeah, now I know why Tiafimo Sr. went crawling back with his fucking... Like, the way he was acting on that ESPN broadcast was severely out of character for him. It was like, yeah. why is this guy so happy, like running around, fucking shaking hands and kissing babies? And he's yeah. normally talking shit, being Tiafimo Sr. He was so fucking ready to just get back into the bosom of top rank where they know they'll give him all the advantages that they want. Where in Triller, they don't give a fuck. They're trying to make some goddamn money. 
and you're not helping in this country sell any fucking tickets. So yeah. hike your ass over to Australia. And guess what, Ken? I can guarantee you he's what he'll drop the belt. He's going to walk away from this fight. I guarantee it. Guaranteed. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Dude, the right, you, you hit the nail on the head. The writing's been on the, on the wall since the COVID BS, right? And now we just didn't know how this thing was going to unfold. But now, yeah, it's, it's clear. We've seen, we've seen everybody's hands, right? And, you know, top ranks looking at Tia Fimo going, well, told you. And yeah, well, we can get you that kind of money and you don't have to go to Australia. You know, I mean, if, if you, hey, but if you want to go, you know, you want to keep your belt, you want to go to Australia, make that money, right? That There's the market. You'll get paid from Triller. Go do it. The only thing we got for it, we could probably pay you a little bit more. You're going to have to fight Loma. Yeah, it's, it'll be pay-per-view too. So he gets all of that. And, and yeah, I wonder, I wonder like in this situation, is Tiafimo Sr. making decisions for his son that his son really doesn't want to make? Like is, is is junior that willing to go back and fight Lomachenko or does senior see those dollar signs and go, that's where we're going, son. Follow we'll me. We'll see if he gets on, if he gets on, look, if, if his Instagram gets lit up with him fucking out in the, out in the outback, taking pictures with kangaroos, <laughs> we'll know, we'll know how he feels about that Loma fight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but Hey, I don't give a flying fuck. I don't want to watch the George Cambosis fight anyways. Let's go this fall, Tiafimo Lopez versus Loma Part 2. That's the fight I want to see because I'm not a spiteful, hateful, little curmudgeon of a boxing fan. It's like, uh, I already know how this is going to go. I mean, I don't need to, I don't need to see this. This is just, I, look, just call me. I'll tell you how it goes, okay? Thank you. <laughs> like it's like shut the fuck up like that's a fight that's a fight i want to see um and uh yeah i think that it's got to be no it's got to be eating at them a little bit the idea of man this did not work out how we wanted it to work out can we just move up to 140 because i don't feel good about this loma rematch they got they got fucking egg on their face big time i just <laughs> it's, i mean I, i'm sorry that and I, and I said it before, uh, I, I can't, is it McWaters or McWater? I don't really give a fuck. But I, he's McDouble. Yeah, he, he's a McDouble, all right. Uh, he he, I, he just mismanaged this, man, big time, big time. And that's on him. You, you went with this guy. He seemed to think that you guys had a value that is not established. Unfortunately, no. what you thought beating Lomachenko meant for your career did not exactly mean what you thought. So slow down. You'll fucking get to it. You're headed there. You're on the right trajectory, but it's going to take a little time. Your value will get there eventually. And this speaks exactly to why a resume is important. Like Lomachenko was the first step in that direction. That got you recognized by the people that will put you into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. Right? But nobody else saw it. The, the ESPN audience that saw it, they were there to watch Lomachenko. And the thing is, is that they were more concerned about Lomachenko losing to you than you beating Lomachenko. And that's a problem in itself, right? Um, you know, yeah, the win. The win is your win. And if you beat him twice, Ooh. you're going to the Hall of Fame. Because Vasily Lomachenko is going to the Hall of Fame, so how couldn't they put in the guy that beat him <laughs> twice? 
You'd, he'd have to seriously fuck up the rest of his career to not get in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But even so he's got Kirby Puckett uh, credentials, career cut short. You're still in, yep, yep. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, you know, look, man, I love, I'm so excited for this Loma fight. So y'all can fuck off. <laughs> oh, I, dude, I am too. And one of the reasons is to watch people's heads spin while it happens. Yeah. And then if Loma, and then if Loma wins, oh my God, so many people are going to be fucking whining about it. I cannot wait. I, that's what I want. I don't know why I want to see that so badly, but I just want to see it, Ken. <laughs> oh, it's always fun to watch people's heads spin a little bit, man. You know, it's always fun. Um, okay, so to be continued. Um, but the takeover, um, <laughs> yeah, the takeover's on hold. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right, Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder, part three, the WBC heavyweight championship, the saga, the soap opera, <laughs> two of boxing's strangest human beings, um, the Gypsy King and the King of Wakanda, is postponed. We think it's postponed, possibly, until October 3rd. Let me ask you a question, Vin. Does this reek a little bit of Fury Klitschko, too? A little bit. Uh, just in like, okay, we, we, we saw where that went and then like, it wasn't even talked about again, like ever again. It, it was just, it just drifted off into nowhere. I think that this in that way, I think it's completely different circumstances, but in that way, I think that this fight runs the risk of that as well, because I don't think there's a big enough audience because it's heavyweights, but I don't think, I think a lot of people think that Deontay Wilder doesn't stand much much of a chance outside of a puncher's chance in this third fight. I think that's the general consensus. Um, and so I'm not sure where the excitement level is on this. And if this doesn't happen, you know, in 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 this calendar year, then it's not going to happen. And what could end up happening is Tyson Fury being forced to retire. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm hoping all the COVID stuff is true with this, though, Vin. But how do you feel about the possibilities of this happening in October or happening at all? I mean, I, like, there's some track record with Tyson Fury here that I don't think like bodes well for him. Yeah, I mean, what knowing what's happened in the past and what we're getting, what we're seeing right now, this is the fucking Tyson Fury playbook. This is what he does, legitimately. The, the consensus best heavyweight in the world right now. Most people would say Tyson Fury is the best. He's never defended the fucking title once, and he's held it for a total of like two plus fucking years and never once defended it. The guy, I, look, I get so frustrated with this guy's fucking career, and I'm glad you brought up that Klitschko shit because it, start, <laughs> it starts there. And this is where the whole story starts for me. With this guy. I think he's fucking full of shit. I think he's massively full of shit. And I think he's a head case that doesn't know whether he wants to box or not. Because that whole fucking, that, that spiraling out of control, downhill, drug use, alcoholism, depression, bullshit. Okay? I get, yeah, you you turned into an alcoholic crackhead motherfucker. For sure you did. I, I don't buy that. I mean, you, pro I, you probably got anxiety for, and you probably got anxiety trying to get off the sauce. Right. So don't give me this like you suffer from mental anguish because you abused fucking drugs. It was because you were abusing fucking drugs. 
and you became yeah. a fat fuck. So you can't deal like he seems like a guy that once he gets to the top, once he's achieved what he wanted to achieve, or once he's the king of, of the heavyweight division, it, he, he doesn't know how to act when he gets in that position. It's not it's he doesn't like to be the front runner. He likes to be chasing it. And it's just so fucking frustrating to sit back and watch them pull this bullshit of COVID. Get the fuck out of here, man. I, 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 I get it. There's a fucking Delta variant going around and people are still getting it. I understand that. But hmm. give me a fucking break. The, the, the tying everything together from his career up to this point to have this happen now and to look at it and give him a pass and say he's like, oh, yeah. That's probably legitimate. Uh, his 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 record is impeccable. It's, you know, he's he's a great guy. There's no way. Like, no. Tyson Fury, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm about done with the guy because I think he's fucking full of shit all the fucking time. I think his entire career has kind of been a bit of a farce, and I get it. He beat Vladimir Klitschko in Germany. Hell of a fight. Was he abusing steroids at the time? Because he got suspended. And everybody just likes to brush that under the rug, right? Oh, well, you know, we don't really like to talk about that retroactive two-year fucking ban from the sport. Now, we won't talk about that. That was all depression. You know, we'll we'll put that under the cloak of depression. So I I just, I think the guy's a fucking fraud, man. I think he's a fucking fraud. and And he's being exposed for it right now. If he walks away from this fight, and goes to do whatever Tyson. I don't even care if he goes to fight AJ. Walks away from this, drops the belt, and fights AJ. It's it's just a bad fucking look. What are you scared of? You you fucking beat the guy twice, two different styles. You boxed in one. You 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 fucking mauled him in one. Decide what you want to do. Beat the fucking guy again. Get it over with. Stop prolonging this fucking shit because you're a fucking head case. I, I just, I'm Ken. I'm fucking done with the guy, dude. He he makes my fucking blood boil. I just think he's a piece of shit, man. I really do. I'm sorry. That's personally how I feel about it. He might be a great yeah. guy. I just, that's just how he comes off as an athlete operating inside the sport. <laughs> Look, man, for me, I, you know, like I agree with everything that you said, but he, like, I, I'm, I'm going to boil it down into a concentrate for me. It, it's so simple. There's, 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 there's one common denominator in, in all of this, and it's Joseph Parker. So anytime that Tyson Fury is spending a little bit of an uncomfortable amount of of time for two men in a plutonic relationship, (laughs) um, one of which is being indicted on, uh, federal drug trafficking charges, uh, as part of a meth ring in, in New Zealand. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and one that you that Tyson Fury engaged in uh cocaine benders with um and I'm assuming meth <laughs> <laughs> right um sometimes there's just people out there that are like poisonous for you you know you shouldn't be around certain people because they bring out there's some people bring out the best in you and some people that bring out the worst in you and I'm just reading the fucking hieroglyphics to me it's quite clear. <laughs> Joseph Parker is the common denominator in all of this. If once Joseph Parker goes to prison, Tyson Fury's career will get back on track. No worries. <laughs> yeah, no worries. 
<laughs> I, look, man, I know this sounds like a silly, a, a silly bit. There's a little bit of truth to that, dude. Uh, yeah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, look, you let those kind of people back into your life. There's a reason why Kevin Durant never came home to play for the Washington Wizards. <laughs> <laughs> right? You don't want to get back into the PG County area? <laughs> nah, some people just want to get away from it, you know? Um, and those kind of people can be bad for you. Joseph Parker needs to just, he needs to just, he needs to stay home and hang out with his family. Yes. <laughs> Make some more of those goofy-ass videos you were making, bud. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay. So if you... I don't know if there's odds on this or not, but if you were a betting man, will this fight happen or not? Uh, I don't see how you could possibly be a betting man and put any money down on this fight happening. No, I don't think it happens. No, I don't. Okay. I am with you. I am with you. Um, Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder, part three, to be continued. Uh, we'll leave it with this. The WBA has decided that they are not going to reinstate Manny Pacquiao as their uh, full champion to make the Errol Spence fight, a unification fight, because I'm not really sure. I mean, Manny didn't say he was retired, so but nobody knew what direction Manny was going in. So in the meantime, the WBA is like, well, we got to have revenue coming in. So they made their regular champion, your Dennis Ugas, the full champion. Well, boxing fans are like, well, Pacquiao didn't retire, so you're going to reinstate him, right, for this fight because – I mean, he is the A-side, and he is a world champion still, correct? Last time I checked, he took that belt from Keith Thurman, right? And the last I checked, that belt wasn't a regular belt, correct? Correct. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, your Dennis Ugas seems to think otherwise. He says, it's good to see that justice prevailed. I'm a fighter of respect, and I have earned the position that I have. And then in the very next sentence, pay attention closely after he says that he has earned the position that he has. The WBA raised me to unify myself, and that is what I'm still going to do. Pacquiao wanted to come back. Perfect. I respect him as a legend, but I am still the WBA champion. <laughs> this is exactly why regular belts exist. This is your Dennis Ugas is the perfect champion for the WBA. He is what some would call a mark in some industries, right? <laughs> um, and justice being served, I earned this. No, you were elevated for no other reason than the WBA's greed for a fight that they thought was coming down the pipeline. But had Gilberto Mendoza listened to this podcast and listened to Vince Stradamus, right? Then he would have known Manny Pacquiao was going to hold up the entire thing, including your Dennis Ugas's career. <laughs> <laughs> so now, so now hold on a second while Pacquiao and Spence are going to go have this mega fight. Your Dennis Ugas is going to defend his super belt against Andre Berto. Unfucking believable, man. I, <laughs> the WBA. What, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I, don't you want the prestige of your belt to be in that Manny Pacquiao-Errol Spence fight? Like, this is the biggest welterweight fight since Pacquiao-Mayweather. Legitimately. Yep. The biggest fight yep. in that division. And now you're getting, wow, 
righteous and serving justice and whatever the fuck. Like, what are you doing, man? These, these fucking, they have no, they make no sense. It's fucking retarded. I, you just to let uh, here, your Dennis, we're going to give you this belt. You are the super champion and you can fight Andre Berto. We'll insert him into the rankings next week. Like, Just call it the PVC fucking belt already. Jeez. Yeah, just do it. And, and I, it would have been, it'd be one thing if it was like Ugas is fighting Porter or fighting Thurman. Okay. And the, and the winner of that is going to fight the winner of, of uh, uh, Spence Pacquiao. If that's something you're doing and you're playing like a little mini tournament style with the extra belt that you have. I, I, okay. I'm fine with that. That, that works. But Andre fucking Berto, Jesus Christ. We're going to go back to the, uh, what was that bit they used to do on Twitter with with Birdo every time he was in camp that everybody would always like oh shit everybody would yeah. always tweet like pictures of African villages and put like it was the harvest hashtag the harvest I, I, I mean I guess I'm up for that bit for a couple of days but Jesus Christ man the WBA give me a fucking break dude oh man it's so funny dude it is so funny yeah you know like i was thinking about this early this morning as i was getting ready for the show i was like boxing is more fractured and disorganized than professional wrestling was back in the 70s like even when wrestling was just a bunch of territories that like traveled between like three or four states right like it was still organized and they still had a fucking champion. Like, even though these worlds were operating in the other worlds knew of these worlds, right? <laughs> right. I mean, eventually they consolidated, right? And then it became one big massive thing. One could only hope, you know, that fucking Eddie, don't call me Vince McMahon Hearn can pull this thing off. Yeah, you know? fuck. Ha- hashtag the takeover. <laughs> oh, please don't let it be Eddie. Please don't let it be Eddie. Uh, well, I guess without the uh, uh, without the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder three uh, preview um, coming up, I guess we get to look forward to Fat Camp. That's coming up here in a couple weeks. Is it? Eddie Hearn's bringing it back. Yeah, man. Come oh, on. shit. What, you ain't get you ain't, ain't, ain't get the down low from your girl, Ebony? Nah, son. I, you know, I, I was supposed to be getting invited back for another elephant walk, too. So what's up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 man. Elephant walks at Fat Camp. There'll be meat swinging, that's for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. All right, let's call it uh let's call it quits, man. Let's get out of here, buddy. All right, we appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 322 of the Boxing Rant podcast. Spread the word patreon.com backslash boxing rant. We appreciate all of you that are subscribing to the show, and we'll see you next time. Uh, thanks for listening, watching, spanking, beating, fingering to the boxing rant podcast. <laughs> But I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. My defense is impregnable. Anybody can get it.